In supermarkets around the country, the price of milk has jumped by almost 20 cents a litre in recent months. Although just looking here, it does vary a little from brand to brand. It's a hike some may find hard to swallow given the country is such a large producer of milk. But is it actually a relatively small jump, given the price of dairy goods have doubled on the world market in the space of a year? The massive world price spike is unprecedented, and one that while pushing up local milk prices, is going to have far-reaching implications for this country. Because New Zealand, through the dairy cooperative Fonterra, controls about 40% of all the world's trade in dairy products. Here, in a Westpac trading room in Wellington, economists like Doug Steele have watched their screens in amazement as the price of milk has just kept on rising. I'd say to say that it's a, a strong boom is an understatement. It's a monstrous, a huge event for New Zealand, possibly the biggest positive shock we've seen. Uh, at the moment, we would estimate that the amount of money coming in in the next 12 months would be around about $3 billion. That's about 1.8% of GDP. It's a seriously big deal. While down the road at the beehive, the politicians are talking up the boom's historic importance. With dairy, we've got historically high prices. They have doubled in the last year, and we control 40% of the world dairy trade. So money markets looking at that will see that uh, that's very significant, probably the most significant commodity boom we've had since the Korean War wool boom. But where did this bonanza come from? And is it just the usual commodity boom followed by a bust? Or are we entering a new era of prices for dairy goods? It's not a fast shed for milk and because the uh, pulsation system is uh, ideal for the 20 cups of one person. Here at Peter Ademski's Taranaki Dairy Farm just south of New Plymouth, the mood is buoyant, with the family having just gone on holiday to Iceland this month. Peter Ademski says Fonterra's forecast payout for this season of $5.53 per kilo of milk solids wasn't expected by many farmers and is going to make the world of difference. A lot better than the past years and they're probably very surprised actually how high the um, Fonterra has put the payout for the coming season, especially um, a month before on a round of meetings only talking between four and five and so you take around a 460 payout and they come out with a 553, it's quite amazing. Mr Ademski says what's really making farmers happy is that the dairy price rise is outstripping the rising dollar. The thing is we're actually getting hell of good prices with a very high dollar and um, how long it will last is anyone's guess. It all depends on the um, foreign exchange dealers and what they want to do with it. But uh, my feeling is at least it will last two seasons and if you talk to Fonterra they talk about 18 months when the exchange rate does change, there's, an eight, there's usually a fall and com the commodities will fall and they'll follow in about 18 months after that event, but that may not even happen this time around. Peter Ademski's confidence is shared by the dairy cooperative he supplies, Fonterra. It's New Zealand's largest company, providing a fifth of the nation's exports and is collectively owned by around 11,500 dairy farmers. Its chief executive, Andrew Ferrier, says the outlook is rosy. You've got to look at several factors happening simultaneously. First and foremost is very strong global demand, which is great. Consumers are looking increasingly for healthy foods to eat, and they see dairy as very healthy. So that underpins everything. 
And then on the supply side, we had a number of events occurring simultaneously. The drought in Australia, the Europeans cutting back on subsidies, the Americans having strong internal demand and consequently exporting less to the world market, and um, some export taxes from exporting countries like um, like Argentina and India. So all of those factors had to come together to get the extreme bull market that we're in now. The Professor of Farm Management and Agribusiness at Lincoln University, Keith Woodford, says high dairy prices are a reflection of a general boom in all commodities, which he says can in part be put down to the huge economic growth taking place in China. China's the number one place to to look at. When we look at the dairy industry and the increasing demand that's expected over the next few years, if we look worldwide, then we need the equivalent of about one New Zealand dairy industry coming on stream every year. And nearly half of that is basically coming out of China. And dairy products, according to Professor Woodford, are of particular interest to China. Poor people are uh, focusing on the basic grains and the basic carbohydrates. But as income goes up, then yes, we move generally to protein products, be that dairy or uh, or meat products. And we know that governments like the Chinese government are trying to promote um, increased uh, protein uptake, and that'll produce uh, bigger, stronger children. The American government is also playing its part in the huge surge in dairy prices by spending billions on developing biofuels. It is a commitment to becoming less dependent on oil, and it's a commitment to be better stewards of the environment. In my budget, Mr. President, I propose to Congress that we invest $1.6 billion over 10 years on additional research to make sure that we can have alternative fuel stocks to make ethanol. This newfound obsession with growing corn and grain for biofuels has limited normal supplies for food consumption. Fonterra's Andrew Ferrier. With corn prices going up, it drives up other prices as well, soybeans and other crops. And in many parts of the world, it's grain that feeds dairy cattle. It's not pastures like in New Zealand. So if the input costs for grain go up, then the cost of dairying goes up and ultimately um, you either see a reduction in supply which drives prices up or you see other factors which, which will contribute to driving the prices up. It's expected South American nations like Chile and Argentina, which have huge dairying potential, will eventually start to increase milk production, filling world supply shortfalls and easing dairy prices. Andrew Ferrier accepts a correction in prices is likely, but doesn't believe there will be a bust. It's a matter of degree. The very high prices we have now will have an impact on demand over time and will eventually bring about a supply response. But um, supply responses in the dairy industry take a while to play out. Our view over the medium to long term is we'll end up with dairy prices substantially above their historical averages, but probably below the peak that we're at today. Fonterra has planned for the supply response out of South America by investing in joint venture farms in countries like Chile and making sure it is part of the action there. The Agriculture Minister, Jim Anderton, says it's a smart strategy. We're growing our milk supply at a high quality level with our own technology in joint ventures with other countries. And very smart in my view because they're lifting the world price 
uh, with countries that otherwise might actually be competing with them and driving the price downwards by by selling cheaply into the market. So by with Fonterra joining forces and, and uh, having a joint ventures, they're lifting these countries very quickly to world best price. Here on the main street of Stratford in the heart of the dairy farming province of Taranaki, it's easy to get a sense of the impact booming dairy prices are going to have on rural communities. This town rides on the fortunes of dairy, and with the average dairy farmer expected to receive $250,000 in extra income this season, confidence is high that farmers will open their wallets. Stratford car dealer Barry Holland. Our whole economy is based on the dairy industry. If the farmers are doing well, we all do well. And um, the impact of it is certainly feeding through into the town. Um, town looks busy, uh, people look happy, and uh, hopefully we can continue to look happy and keep the people happy. The town's mayor, Brian Jeffreys, believes it will also help boost the population of small rural towns like his. The time of the small rural community is here, and uh, we just got to make the most of it, really. And, uh, you know, we've been probably a little bit apologetic about our place in the, in, the, in the scheme of things but uh, we have a tremendous amount to offer and, uh, and I think it's being recognised now um, by the fact that uh, we uh, in the 2001 census were uh, by all the bean counters uh, tipped to drop about 8% in our population in fact we actually we rose uh, in numbers not by very many but we certainly were above uh, the 2001 census figures so uh, we arrested about an 8% decline and we think that's good. This is scary. It is. I'll just put you through to our duty agent. Here at the Palmerston North head office of Property Brokers Real Estate, the changing fortunes of dairying are also being noticed. The company's owner, Tim Mordant, says in the wake of the bumper forecast Fonterra payout, some farmers have pulled properties off the market. It's really early days. Some of them have been withdrawn while the farmers are looking, because no one really knows where the values are. So the payouts come out, the enthusiasm's there. While the company's rural properties manager, Richard Anderson, is reporting increased interest in land that might be suitable to be converted into dairy farms. What we're seeing at the moment is certainly a lot of interest in dairying type land and certainly sheep and beef farmers are looking at their land use opportunities. You know, it, should they stay as a sheep and beef farmer or should they look at alternative and going into dairying? They're questioning that right at the moment. But the impact of the dairy boom is not just a regional issue. The extra income from dairying will significantly boost the economic growth rate of the entire country, helping to boost all our incomes, as well as reducing the country's current account deficit, or collective debt to foreigners. Here at Wellington, in this building in front of me, the Reserve Bank, the dairy boom is seen as a good news story for the country, but one with an inflation fishhook because the injection of $3 billion of extra cash this year from dairying into an already overheated economy will put pressure on scarce resources. Back in June, the Governor, Alan Bollard, asked dairy farmers to show some restraint. We're seeing some extra pressure coming through from dairy prices and, and broader commodity prices. We knew there was a certain amount of debt building up in the sector. We would think that this would now be an ideal situation for some of them to reduce that but we know that will depend on their individual circumstances. Fonterra's CEO, Andrew Ferrier, is confident most will be prudent. We had a couple of years where, as a result of the high dollar and average commodity prices, our dairy farmers were really hurting. As a matter of fact, there's been some um, statistics that show that up until recently the average dairy farmer was cash negative. 
So with farmers now seeing that there's likely to be some cash coming in the door, the message that we're hearing is that they're going to pay down debt, which is a very smart thing to do. However, Taranaki farmer Peter Ademski says once debts are paid off, there will be some spending. Both consolidation and paying back debt and carrying out uh, deferred maintenance, so which hasn't occurred in the last few years. Um, once that's major part of that's gone, uh, the money will start flowing into the economy. And my gut feeling, Christmas will be looking good for a lot of the um, shoppers or the storekeepers in the provincial towns. The extra income from dairying will do more than just help to ensure the economy continues to thrive. Economist Doug Steele says it will also push up the fair value of the New Zealand dollar. Each and every one of us essentially gets an income boost by uh, via the high New Zealand dollar. It makes all our imported goods uh, cheaper. And I guess the best example of that would be crude oil prices have just hit a record high and, and gone above their previous peak in August last year. And yet we're paying 20 cents less a litre at the pump today, and that's because the New Zealand dollar is a lot higher than what it was in August last year. Although Doug Steele says that also brings some negatives. Sort of called the um, the resources curse, that when you get a, a very large shift in relative prices for one product, it can drive up the currency and other exporters can, can feel the pain a little bit on the back of that. Uh, at the end of the day, it's prob- probably better to have one price going up rather than none, but uh, obviously in an ideal world we would like all prices to be going up for our products. You know, there's a lot more to dairy farming than some people think. In the beginning I couldn't get over how much thinking I had to do. I always had to be one step ahead. Feeding the cows and not just throw them in a paddock. This TV ad is aimed at attracting new workers to the sector. The job market is another area where the boom will have an impact with the dairy industry already struggling to alleviate a shortage of on-farm workers. One of those trying to help address that shortfall is North Taranaki Dairy Training Advisor Bev Jackson. Ms Jackson says part of the battle is convincing the public that dairy farming has changed and is now a high-skilled business with multiple career options. Go dairy now. As some of the smaller farms become bigger farms, like obviously see neighbours buy neighbours' farms, and instead of having you know, three or 400 cows on their farm, they may now combine the two and have 1,000, 1,200, 1,500. So within that role, um, what happens now is you tend to have a someone like a farm manager who may not actually even set foot out on the farm a great deal, but he will be the one to organise the people underneath. So you have your milk harvesters, which is your people who basically just go on and harvest milk. That's really it. They work in the shed, they do a certain number of hours per day, and that's it. Then you can have your herd managers, and then you've got your general farm labourers as well. There are those who see risks ahead for the dairy industry. Here's former Fonterra boss Craig Norgate, at last month's Federated Farmers Conference. The key question at the moment is how long will the current record high prices last? It's one of the key challenges that Fonterra needs to be grappling with. Already ingredients customers are reformulating away from dairy and you'll find food service customers putting less cheese on their pizzas to try and cut costs down. I'd be starting to do long-term deals with those customers at below the current spot market to ensure that the demand is... And here at Tony Gray's sheep farm near Ashurst in the central North Island, it's possible to see firsthand the other side of an agricultural boom. Prices for one of the country's star exports over the past few years, lamb, 
are in the doldrums and have failed to keep pace with the dollar. Tony Gray says sheep farmers in his area are tightening their belts. We've put on uh, fertiliser this year, but I know farmers that haven't put on fertiliser, but something had to be dropped from the um, budget, and that was the, the big ticket item. And, you know, the, just talking to a, um, a rural's bank manager um, a couple of weeks ago at a, um, a monitor farm day, he said most of his clients aren't making a profit. So, you know, that was sheep and beef in the whole country. Um, so there will be things that uh, maintenance may um, fall by the wayside or any development. Tony Gray says there is hope that in the long term sheep and beef prices will start to come back. However, he says in the meantime many sheep farmers will look to get out and go dairying instead. We're just in a position where we're saying, well hang on, we can last a little bit longer um, but we're really going to have to see some improvements next year, this next season, otherwise there's going to be more exit the industry. I mean, the, there's 40 conversions, and I'm not sure if it's solely Southland or whether it's nationwide, there's 40 dairy conversions gone in this year. There's 80 penciled on for next year. One strategy which is seen as being able to insulate farmers from the boom and bust of commodity cycles is the development of value-added farm goods. This is where raw dairy or meat ingredients are processed into high-end cheeses or salamis, for example, then exported at higher and more stable prices. Some, such as Fonterra's aniline milk, can now even offer special medicinal properties to help things like bone growth. The Crown Research Institute Ag Research is heavily involved in developing this type of technology. Its CEO, Andy West, says it's vital New Zealand take advantage of the current good times for dairy prices and develop more value-added goods. The issue is there's going to be a supply response because of the structure of this boom is really built around, um, principally around growing wealth and growing populations in Asia. Um, and the structural, uh, the, the, the response in supply will come from South America, Eastern Europe, amongst other places. And South America in particular will be aided and abetted by New Zealanders themselves getting over there with New Zealand pastoral technology. So if we don't do anything and we remain with our current product mix, then 10 to 15 years we'll have major competitors in the South American countries knocking on our door and we'll have nowhere to turn because we won't have an alternative strategy. To lay the foundations of that strategy of evaluated products, you have to begin now. Fonterra boss Andrew Ferrier says they are committed to a value-added strategy, although there are difficulties with it when commodity prices are high. In our ingredients business, it tends to... Um to be more um, directly linked to underlying commodity prices. So in the short term, when you see a, a spike, we see a reduction in the returns in our value-add ingredient business. But over the medium term, we're able to get prices restabilized at better levels. Andy West, though, feels New Zealand has some catching up to do after putting so much development emphasis into non-agricultural industries in recent years. I do think that we have to focus on our strengths, not to the exclusion of other sectors, but we have ignored... The primary industries um, seriously ignored them for probably a, a generation. And, and I think that's because when Britain joined the EU in 1973, um, you know, the, the doors were largely closed. And we've struggled to accept that and we've struggled to, to respond to that for 30 years. I think we're over it now. But in, that, in those 30 years, you know, emotionally, I think we, we turned our back on the agricultural sector. It was too hard. Now I think we are starting to come back to it because it is successful. However, the Agriculture Minister, Jim Anderton, is more upbeat about the state of the country's agriculture. Those people who think that our 
land-based industries and our primary industries in general are sort of sunset industries, they're wrong. These industries are smart, they've got a higher productive uh, rate than all other industries put together and they're based on high technology, uh, high science, research and development. So the good news for New Zealand is we're at the right end of this market. So when we first came here they used to pump the uh, effluent across the stream to the observation ponds on the other side of the pine tree there. And that was quite an issue because I felt they were actually not meeting their requirements, the hose was bursting. And here on Peter Ademski's farm, huge effort has gone into fencing off all his streams to prevent nitrogen from dairy cow effluent polluting the waterways. But not all dairy farmers have such great records, and the Parliamentary Commissioner for the Environment, Dr Jan Wright, says dairying does have some harmful impacts. Two main areas. One of them we're fairly used to thinking about, which is the water quality and water quantity area. And of course those two are, those two are tied, because if you're taking a lot of water out of streams, for example, to irrigate, and you're also um, sending nutrients and sediments and um, other microbial contaminants back in, then lower river flows mean more concentrated. Uh, so your water quality goes down as well, so there's a link there. Um, and then there's sort of these big unknown questions about effects on groundwater, or those long-term effects on groundwater. The other, so water is one, one area. The um, other area, which I think is very big and perhaps not widely understood, is that about half of our climate change impact, if you like, is from agriculture, and most of that is from dairying. Uh, roughly two-thirds of that is from methane from the cows primarily burping, not the other end, and one-third is from nitrous oxide. Andrew Ferrier says Fonterra has worked hard to mitigate the impacts of dairying in recent years. Well, you know, I think we took some great leadership um, early on in Fonterra's days with the Clean Stream Accord, and generally um, I'd say that our our reaction and our, our working together with the government and with our own farmers and with the regional um, governments has been, frankly, quite strong in terms of being very, very proactive around the environment. So we will continue to do that. You can always get better, and we'll just continue to find ways to get better. In traditional dairy areas like Taranaki and Waikato, much progress has been made to clean up and limit the negative impacts of dairying, with local councils taking active roles. New technologies such as nitrogen inhibitor fertilisers, which limit greenhouse gas emissions from the soil, are also increasingly in use and will limit the future impact. But can the environment cope with a growth in dairy cow numbers that's expected to be around 2% a year for the next five years? The Agriculture Minister, Jim Anderton, believes it can. Well, I don't think it's an, there's any need for a pause. The, the concern over uh, the environment, the concern over intensive land use and its implications for soil quality, for uh, water quality and for environmental uh, concerns are real and they've been there for some time. And I have to give credit to the dairy industry. People go at the dairy industry because it's a sort of obvious target, high water use, um, leaching of nitrates and, and polluted water and so on as rivers and streams, and it's an easy target. However, Jan Wright says there is reason to be concerned about the renewed push into dairy farming. It does concern me that we seem to be increasingly dairying in places which are less well suited for it. I mean, so you get 
uh, more inputs in terms of irrigation, the demand on water, but also you know, electricity required to run that and so on, fertilisers. Um, and con it concerns me the, the changes in land use that go around that. It's wider than just dairying. So, for instance, when we see land around uh, Hamilton that is traditionally dairy country being taken up in lifestyle blocks and then dairying pushed into dry, formerly cropping and sheep areas, we have to sort of wonder if we're um, pushing the uh, productive environment a bit hard. Mike Jebson, Director for Natural Resources Policy at the Ministry of Agriculture and Forestry, says they are tracking the trend of sheep farmers converting to dairy very carefully. He says in the South Island alone, about 60 conversions are planned this season. There are risks uh, with some of these conversions, uh, although I would say uh, it depends on the conversion and how good it is and the sort of management practices that are applied on the dairy farm. One of the good things about these conversions is uh, you can get in on a greenfield site, you can optimise uh, your placement of your effluent disposal, uh, you can get put in the best practice in terms of current dairy systems. If it's done right, um, most of the, those risks can be adequately managed. If it's done wrong, then you do have problems with you know, enrichment of waterways and you know, bugs getting into rivers and things. The pressure to convert to dairying is perhaps most acute right now in and around Canterbury, where debate has fired up recently over a proposed irrigation scheme between the Rakaia and Waimakariri rivers. The scheme, which involves the storage of river water and a huge canal system, could unlock huge amounts of new land for dairying. Jan Wright questions, though, whether the farming sector is paying enough for the use of natural resources like water. I think it's fairly evident they're not paying their share because they're not, <laughs> not the only um, group in society which, you know, where costs are shifting. I mean, water has been free. The water should be priced. Um, there, there are one of the, as well as the national policy statements and regional policy statements which were to uh, accompany the implementation of the RMA, there was expected to be a whole raft of so-called blue-green economic instruments which would price these free environmental goods. And so there is certainly a lot of using of the environment sources and sinks as free goods and not paying for them. I put it to Andrew Ferrier whether a price on water is needed. Well, I think that if you look at um, down in the Canterbury area where water is an issue, there's um, a lot of money going into irrigation plans and so on that will provide water for a number of uses. And I certainly think some sensible allocation is a reasonable outcome of that one. In terms of how they do it, it's going to really be up to the local um, authorities. Andrew Ferrier doesn't dispute dairying has some environmental impact, but he says in the end it will be up to New Zealanders to decide whether the benefits of this country producing dairy goods for the world outweigh any negatives. We are a food exporter. Our, our, we're feeding 40 million consumers around the world with our product. So those consumers need the product to come from somewhere. So there's clearly a benefit to what we do. There's going to be a, an environmental impact to um, dairy production no differently than there's an environmental impact to anything. So you're, you're right, you've got to weigh the costs and benefits together in these things.